so good. I feel full of coffee and full of the Holy Spirit. So let's see where this takes us. Thank you so much, team. I'm so grateful you can all take a seat. Thank you so much for serving us this morning, team. I'm always so grateful for everyone who serves on a Sunday morning. Thank you for the music team, for the worship team, for the sound team, for people over in Kids Church. I just I thank you so much for serving us every Sunday morning and allowing us to worship God. That's right. Give them a big round of applause. Well, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. As Ben said, today is Compassion Sunday. We are reflecting on our partnership with Compassion, thinking about um, the children who are in our partner region in Northern Philippines. But I want to start off by talking about this idea of what it is to be blessed. If you were to search the hashtag blessed on Instagram, you would have over 150 million posts And the posts vary from sunsets to six-packs to sports stars, hashtag blessed. But what does it mean to be blessed? It's a question that has plagued our society since time began. What does it mean to live the good life? What does it mean to be favoured? What does it mean to be envied by others, to be blessed? What does it mean to be happy? I met a man named Arthur Brooks in a course that I did online and he runs the happiness lab at Harvard University. They use research and science and biology and psychology to try and work out what makes people happy. As I was chatting to him, he just casually said that he'd been texting Oprah on the weekend about the book they're about to release. I suddenly realised this guy was a lot more famous than I realised. But it's a hard question to answer. What does it mean to be blessed? What does the blessed life look like? Hundreds of books have been written about the subject. People pay in massive amounts of money in order to answer the question. When we read about celebrities online who are struggling, we realise that it's not money or fame or power that necessarily makes you happy. And the kind of happiness that we're looking for is not the happiness that comes and goes. I remember when I first had, when I had my second child and I was a sleep deprived mum with a newborn. I had a two year old toddler at the time. We were living on one income, but I decided to treat myself to a large coffee. And so I went to Double Espresso in Springwood and I managed to get out of the house and got my newborn and toddler in there and we got it all sorted. I made the order and they brought me this beautiful cup of coffee. And I remember putting my hands around this warm beverage and all of its caffeine within there and about to put it to my lips. And my dear two-year-old toddler, for whatever reason, somehow managed to lose his balance on his chair, fell onto me and poured the coffee all down my top. I was actually less worried about the coffee being on me and more worried that it wasn't in my mouth. And I realised just how fleeting happiness can be in that moment. And if you've ever witnessed a toddler navigating an ice cream and all the joy that's within it, and then watching as that ice cream topples down to the floor, you'll realise just how quickly delight can turn to devastation. We know happiness is fleeting. 
And what we long for is something deeper. We want contentment. We want satisfaction. We want the kind of joy that doesn't run out. We want the joy that isn't impacted by our outside experience. We want to live the good life. We want a blessing deep down that doesn't waver. And as we look at Matthew chapter 5, it gives us Christianity's answer to the question, what does it mean to be blessed? You can have a look on the screen or if you want to pull it up on your phone. We're going to read together from Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Now just to set the scene, Matthew has introduced us to this Jesus called the Christ. He has been born, he's gone through the temptation of the devil and overcome all of his temptations. And Jesus has just begun his ministry. And he's standing up on the mountain. He's about to begin the Sermon on the Mount. And this is his first public speech. Now, when politicians are elected or when CEOs are appointed, their first speech is critical. It sets the tone for their leadership. It shows us what they are all about. And so what does Jesus have to say in his first public sermon? He wants to talk about blessing. And what does he say? Does he say, blessed are those with a healthy bank account? Blessed are those with a good marriage. Blessed are those whose children are performing well at school. Blessed are those who eat seafood by the sunset. Now, what does Jesus say? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we were to look at the top eight New Year's resolutions, the goals that people give themselves to make their lives better, the goals that they have perhaps to make their life more blessed, my hunch is that there wouldn't be much crossover with Jesus' top eight blessings. The blessings that Jesus pronounced were just as countercultural then as they are today. We don't celebrate the meek. We don't look for those who mourn. We certainly don't applaud those who are persecuted. And yet these are the people that Jesus is saying are blessed. What Jesus is saying at the very beginning of his ministry, in his first public sermon, is he is painting the portrait of what it means to be a Christian. He has been going out throughout the towns and saying, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is coming. And he's saying to his disciples, this is what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of heaven. 
This is what it means to be blessed. Now, one of the things that he says, which is the one I want to focus on today, is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, when you first look at this, it feels like God is a judge who is reviewing our test scores, that he's going to wait until the end of time and then see how many acts of mercy we've done and decide whether he's going to release his mercy to us. It feels like this is Jesus' eight-step plan to blessing, where as long as we tick all those boxes and pay three easy payments of $19.95, then we can get our reward of blessing. And if we do it before the end of the month, we can get a free apron with hashtag blessed on the front. It sort of feels like we just have to do this in order to get the reward. Like the toddler who begrudgingly shares with his sibling in order to get the chocolate. But we don't do mercy in order to earn mercy. We give mercy as evidence that we've already received it. See, this is not the path to mercy. Acting merciful is the proof that we have already received mercy. See, look at the structure of this section that Jesus speaks about. If you read the first beatitude, the first blessing, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus in this first blessing is speaking in present tense. Notice that again, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is not in the future. This is not in the past. This is here and now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The same phrase is used at the end of this section. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about the here and now. We sung about the king. And Jesus is saying the king is here, here and now. The kingdom has come. What Jesus is saying is that when we are poor in spirit, when we acknowledge our bankruptcy before Christ, when we believe in him, then the kingdom of heaven is opened up to us straight away. Our place in heaven is secured. Our relationship with Jesus is opened up. The blessing is here and now. But then look at the next six blessings. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who show mercy, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's all future tense. He's not saying that we see God right now. He's saying that we will see Him in the future. So we have this sandwich where at the beginning, we have this present tense. At the end, we have this present tense. But in the middle, we have this future tense of blessing. What is Jesus trying to say to us here? What he's saying is that in some sense, the kingdom of heaven has already arrived. We have received the promises, but we haven't received them in all of their fullness. That a day is coming where Jesus will return and we shall be fully comforted. We shall be fully made sons of God. We shall fully receive the mercy that God has promised. The king has come and he does reign. 
But one day he will return and he will fully reign. So what Jesus is saying is blessed are the merciful because we already have received mercy from the King. We already have received grace from Jesus. But we will also receive mercy on the day that Jesus returns. So what does it mean to show mercy? Well, the word mercy shows up in the Bible lots of different times. But there are two times that it shows up in two stories that Jesus tells in the Gospels. And you would have heard of both stories quite, quite well. The first story is in Matthew chapter 18 about the unforgiving servant. Jesus tells this story. One of his disciples says to him, So Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? And so Jesus tells him this story about a king who is settling his debts. And he finds out that a servant owes him 100,000 talents. So he gets the guy to come in and he finds out that this servant can no way pay back this debt. It's too great. And so he orders that this man is sold along with his wife and his children and everything that he owns in order to pay back the debt. So then this man throws himself on the ground before the king. He begs and pleads for mercy. He says, please have mercy on me. And so the king does. He wipes the debt, he forgives the sin and he releases the man. That same servant then leaves the courts of the king. He goes out and he finds, finds that another man owes him a debt. It's a small debt of 100 denarii, incomparable to the debt that this servant had owed the king. And this man responds in the same way. He throws himself down before the servant. He says, please have mercy. He begs with him, please forgive my debt. What does this servant do? He shows no mercy. He throws the man into jail. This report gets back to the king and the king brings in this servant and he says to him, why did you not show mercy to this man like I showed mercy to you? Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? What stinging words. The second story that this word mercy appears is in the well-known, the Good Samaritan. I've probably preached a thousand times working for compassion on the Good Samaritan. You all know the story well. A lawyer says to Jesus, trying to test him, but who is my neighbour? Jesus says, you've got to love your neighbour. And so this guy says, okay, who is my neighbour? Who do I need to love? So Jesus tells this story about a man who'd been travelling and robbers catch him and they beat him up and take everything he owns and throw him down half dead on the side of the road. You all know the story. A priest passes by, but instead of helping him, he crosses to the other side of the road. A Levite, another religious leader in the church, passes by, crosses to the other side of the road, ignores the man. But then a Samaritan comes along, someone who isn't even meant to get close to Jews, who isn't even meant to associate with them. But he crosses to the side of the road. He goes to the man. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the inn. He pays money to the innkeeper to take care of him. He has compassion on this man that he is not meant to help. 
Jesus finishes the story and he says to the lawyer, who was the neighbour in this story? And the lawyer says to him, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, when we read this story, we think, how could the servant not have shown mercy? How could the priest and the Levite crossed to the other side of the road? How could they have not passed on this mercy that they have so evidently received a thousand times over? And yet in both these examples, the servant and the priest and the Levite have forgotten what they have received. The servant have walked out of the merciful courts of the king and he's had amnesia about what he's just gone through. He's forgotten the mercy that was shown to him. The priest and the Levite would have been in a temple worshipping a merciful God and they've walked out of that temple along the road and they've had amnesia. They've forgotten the merciful God that they've served. Why do we not show mercy? Because we forget the mercy that we have received. We forget what it says in Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, it's that word, while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were still half dead on the side of the road, when we were still in debt, 100,000 denarii, while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. The King has saved us. The King has wiped our debt. The King has bound up our wounds and put us on His donkey and made us dead to alive. That is the mercy that we have been shown. And yet how quickly we forget. So when Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He's saying, blessed are those who remember the mercy they have received. Because this is not an order to obey. This is an overflow of who we are in Christ. Jesus never wants us to give out of guilt or compulsion or duty. He wants us to give out of gratitude for what we have been given. And we don't need to look very far to find our neighbour. As Jamie shared a few weeks ago, we are surrounded by people in our local community who are in need of mercy Overseas, globally, we partner in the Northern Philippines as a church. As Ben said, we sponsor over 136 children in this region, children who are in need of our mercy, in need of a neighbour. And so we're going to watch a video right now, which is a bit of an update on the Philippines and the work that Compassion is doing there. And then I'll jump up afterwards to share how you can be involved. Buhay. We are here in Cebu, Philippines. I am Princess, 11 years old. I am a compassion-sponsored child. Filipinos are known around the world for their talent in the art, especially in music. 
I love singing to the Lord, but often because of poverty, there are many children who can sing. There are many children here in the Philippines who are always hungry. There are also many children who are so afraid to play in street. As I speak for Compassion in the Philippines, I would like to say online sexual exploitation of children is rampant. Compassion in the Philippines fights this crime by educating local churches and by providing them with resources. The children are grateful for Compassion for protecting them from sexual predators and other who could cause them harm. Apart from OSEC, the country also suffered from a number of tropical cyclones. Recently, in December 2021, several cities and provinces, including here in Cebu, were devastated by Typhoon Rai. Compassion assisted by providing relief, building materials, and prayers. Finally, COVID-19 continues to sow fear in our country even today. Compassion and its church partners have remained vigilant, providing food relief goods to the children and their families. Compassion has always stood by our side. Personally, I feel blessed to be part of this program because I now have hope in life. I want to help my family in the future. My prayer request is for our country to have peace and for many more children like me to feel safe. Because of our sponsors, all this can come true. I will always pray to God to bless you for your kindness. Thank you, Paul. Bye. One of the commentators defined showing mercy as helping those who have been negatively impacted by the effects of sin. And children living in poverty are exactly that. They have been impacted by greed, by exploitation, by society's inability to care for them and keep them safe. They need a good neighbour. They need someone to show them mercy. And today I want to encourage you to do two things. If you are one of the 136 who already sponsor a child with compassion, I encourage you after this service to hop on your phone or log into your computer when you get home and write them a letter. I wrote to our children last night, prayed for them, encouraged them with God's word, told them that we love them. The children are so encouraged by your letters and it helps rewrite the lies that poverty have told them. It's an act of mercy to invest in them. And I also want to encourage you that if you haven't yet sponsored a child or you feel prompted to sponsor another, come and speak to Bron and I who will be at the table in the welcome area. We have about 10 children from our partner region in the Philippines, um, along with Athena, who Ben shared with. This is a little girl named Crystal. She lives with her father. It doesn't say where her mother is. And these children have been waiting a long time for a sponsor, some of them almost a year, waiting and hoping that someone would choose to sponsor them. 
God wants us to give cheerfully out of the overflow of the mercy that we have received. Bron and a number of different people from the church have been to our partner region. So if you have questions about what it looks like, they'd love to chat to you more about what the program looks like and how you can help. But I encourage you to reflect on the mercy that God has shown us today. There are many ways that we can overflow in that mercy. And one of them is helping our neighbour, helping children in poverty to be shown mercy like we have been given mercy. And that is what it means to be truly blessed. So let me pray for us and then I'll send you out. Lord God, we don't deserve your blessing. We are the prodigal son again and again and again, Lord. We fail you and yet you fill us up. Lord, teach us to pursue true blessing. Blessing that is found in a humility of spirit. Blessing that is found in a mourning over our sin. Blessing that is found in the presence and hope of Jesus Christ. We thank You that You are a God who is rich in mercy, that has plucked us from the bottom of the ocean, picked us up from the pit and lifted us up and put our feet on a rock and given us a new song. We thank You that no matter what is going on, Lord God, that Your blessing, Your mercy and Your grace is available to us. And You can give us blessing even when nothing in our life looks blessed. God, we praise You today. And may we be merciful as our God, You, our Father, is merciful. In Jesus' Name, Amen.